Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Office Space podcast, where we discuss relevant topics that are affecting occupiers of office space. I'm your host, Dougal Jeppe with Colliers International, and today our topic is on commercial construction with an emphasis on interior construction. My guest expert on the subject is Andy McGregor from Ascend Construction. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Dougal. You bet. Thanks for joining. So kind of a weird week. Uh, today is Friday, June 5th. We officially, uh, being uh, Chicago and Illinois, entered into phase three, which I believe is defined as cautiously reopening. And although there was a bit of optimism, uh, mostly from the folks I spoke with, uh, the riots hit and really like a, a punch to the gut things just kind of changed. Um, I think for a lot of people, you know, emotionally and then, you know, uh, really generally. Uh, but hopefully the message was heard by those that run our cities and countries. And and now we can hopefully get back to business again. I know the construction industry was shut down for a few days and we can get into that. But first, uh, if you could just introduce yourself and your firm. Cool. Well, again, I'm Andy McGregor. I'm the president of Ascent Construction. I founded the company about 18 months ago in partnership with Skyline Construction Enterprises out of the Bay Area. At the time, they were a $400 million a year company with one point. Um, in that year and a half, we've become a four entity company serving four markets um, with a revenue of probably $500 million this year. And that's including the discounts for COVID. Um, we're an ESOP, so we're one of the only 100% employee-owned construction companies, um, inclusive of hourly union employees. So that that's really what drives our growth strategy. People come first. We're committed to building the best team with the best people, fostering collaboration, and making life better for anyone we interact with. Um, and that ties into our, our plans for growing um, in other markets. You know, it's people first. Um, because we're an ESOP, we get to retain a whole lot more cash. You're not paying federal income tax, and that gives us a lot of ammo for mergers and acquisitions and seed startups and markets that we're not in now. So Ascend and Chicago came together as a group of some of the construction, the Chicago construction industry's best people. Um, we have extensive experience in commercial interiors, some of the largest projects completed in the history of the city, technology projects, labs, new commercial construction, and heavy renovation. And that's Ascend in a nutshell. Thanks for the introduction. I like on your website, uh, you've got the video of yourself talking and you talk about Chicago and how, you know, it's kind of the city of big shoulders kind of thing where people roll up their sleeves and we've got the crappy weather, you know, five months out of the year and we get, you know, we're just kind of that hardworking Midwestern attitude. So um, I love the feel of that. Yeah. And I'm looking out the window now. It's uh, it's so far from that crappy weather. It's like 80 and sunny. <laughs> right. Right. Like I was saying earlier, uh, pre COVID, we, you know, people should be out, you know, on the golf courses or doing whatever when, uh, when the market was good, but the market is not great. And um, I, you know, frankly, I fluctuate between being optimistic and somewhat realistic uh, a lot of what ifs, but from a state of the market, from a construction standpoint, 
maybe you can tell us how we were looking going into this and, you know, uh, what it is right now. And then maybe your prognosis looking forward. Yeah. I mean, everything was on fire prior to, prior to all this. I mean, every general contractor I've talked to was coming off their best year ever in 19, as far as revenue margin, you know, growing in the right ways and had a really healthy backlog. Um, what happened with COVID was that probably a third of everyone's backlog was pretty drastically affected. So you had stuff that either just evaporated wholly, you had projects got put on hold, you had a lot of projects get pushed out. Um, you know, a lot of, especially office occupiers, if they had a, a three month project teed up, you know, they didn't, they didn't know when the end would come to this and when they could move in. So they're like, Hey, let's save the cash. And we don't need to build out for a year, you know, as far as the lease is concerned. So let's just wait and see what happens. So I think the uncertainty has caused a lot of issues. Of course, there are companies that are conserving cash. And so they're, they're shelving growth plans. Um, and I think that anything with a hospitality component uh, or co-working or anything where you've got density and you've got businesses that are closed and that aren't that financially robust to begin with, you know, those segments of the market are really, really going to suffer. So I, I do think that there are going to be some bright spots coming out of this. You know, it'll, it remains to be seen what sort of infrastructure package the government will levy to get things going. Um, but there are sectors like data storage, anything mission critical, tech focused, R&D on the life sciences side, um, you know, industrial stuff related to distribution, you know, the, the grocery industry is doing really well right now. So there's some bright spots and I think it's going to keep changing just like this epidemic has, has changed very rapidly. Right. So do I hear a sense of optimism in your voice with that comment? Yeah, I think, you know what, I think for the companies that are nimble and able to pivot away from whatever they're in that's suffering, I think there's that opportunity and the, the best companies are going to figure it out. I think by and large, I think the office market is going to be really, really slow to recover. I mean, there is so much velocity in every market in the country. And I think companies are reluctant to really, really grow really fast. And I do think that people are taking a little bit of a doom and gloom approach to it. And, you know, there's all this talk about work from home. And I think that that's, that that's sort of a short-term knee-jerk thing. I think what I've really realized um, with my own employees is that people need to be together. And there's a certain intangible value to having people in an office collaborating together, being able to train each other, um, being able to have those unplanned conversations, you know, that become learning moments or help uh, determine a solution to something that saves money or adds value. So um, I think every company, maybe with the exception of certain tech-based businesses, um, you know, every company needs that. And that's how people learn. And that's how you grow, grow companies. Right. We've been uh, seeing a, a lot more subleases come on the market. We've been talking to landlords who are, you know, a, a bit reluctant. If, if they've started a capital uh, program, they're going to see it through most of them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but they they see and, and we see it being asked by our clients, shorter term leases, pre-built space. And I think landlords uh, and they were going into this prior to covid 
started building out more spec suites under the build and they will come scenario. And I think there's going to be certainly be more of that. It's just going to be competing with the subleases um, that'll come on the market. And um, at what point does a company decide? Yeah, we feel comfortable that 50% of our workforce is going to work from home. So we're going to shed 50% versus let's wait and see. I'm hearing more wait and see. It's just a question of how long that wait is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the companies that have that knee jerk reaction and do something drastic, they're going to get it wrong. You know, it's like how many times has the information that we've received about COVID changed? Um, You know, you can only learn so much about something that's of this magnitude in such a short window of time. And I think smart companies are saying, okay, let's kind of let this play out. Let's see what happens with the vaccine. Let's see what happens with the work from home experiment. Let's see what happens with trends in office space and leasing rates and TIs. And so that's not good if you're in the business of building space or leasing space. Um, But I do think that it's where the industry needs to go if we're going to come out of this in a healthy way. So if you're a company that is looking six to 12 months out for a new space and you want to do something and you, you want to build it out to your specs, is the pricing going to be better than it was pre-COVID? Are you better to wait on that? Where is that going to fall? You know, I think right now, what I've seen in the last two months, the first two weeks, everyone was kind of thinking it was going to go away. And our pricing is driven by the subcontractors and they're not uh, viewing you know, the market through the same lens that you and I are. We're selling our deals, you know, years in advance sometimes. The furthest out a subcontractor ever looks is six months. So if their backlog is intact, they think everything is good. So prices were really slow to come down. And then I think once everyone figured out that there were projects that were going away, that were getting put on hold, that were sliding, um, the sub said, okay, I need to grab backlog. And so any price escalation that you had seen over the last couple of years pretty much came out. Um, we've seen numbers on the sub side reduce by probably five points um, almost overnight. But what you have offsetting that is some of the social distancing and logistics requirements dealing with COVID to limit you know, uh, infection transmission, create safer indoor air quality standards, um, limit the proximity that guys are working together, either through staggered shifts or off hours work. Um, and so there, there's a slight offset there. But overall, I, th- I think that we're going to see, uh, you know, a situation pan out over the next six months, similar to 2008, 2009, where, um, you know, you're going to be in a buyer's market. And I think it's going to last for a while. Um, and I think that there are some industries that are going to be resilient to it or market segments, but by and large, I think your construction costs, you're, you're at least going to see a pause on that three to 5% escalation a year. And timing wise, I mean, you know, prior going into this, uh, things were so good that in many cases, you know, things were being delayed because you couldn't get the talent out there. Or, um, we're seeing a lot more hungry folks in, in your world. Uh, address things and be be wanted to get going and, and being able to get going on things immediately from a labor standpoint on, on certain trades that maybe weren't available before. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think sh- Chicago definitely is. I mean, I still see some of the labor constraints, you know, out in San Francisco, for example, you know, that market has been so hot. They've had such a shortage of labor for probably five, six years now 
um, that as they're trying to get spooled back up, you know, especially if companies laid people off, now they got to hire them back. Some of those people were transient anyway, and they're not coming back. So I think the constrained markets are still going to feel a little bit of pressure in the short term is the backlog burns up, burns off. And, um, you know, we feel a little more of the recession as a whole. I think that that's probably going to get back to a healthy equilibrium where there is labor availability. And that's when you'll start to see the numbers come down. Um, but in those hard, really hot markets, I, I don't think you've seen it quite yet. Chicago is such a big market. It's diverse. Uh, we have the best and one of the largest union labor forces in the country. Um, you know, when you see a bunch of backlog evaporate, uh, you know, it affects pricing fast. And so I, I feel like Chicago is a little bit of the canary in the coal mine with regards to that. And is... In, in your opinion, is the union environment and in, in its relationship um, going to change? Do you see that morphing? Have, how are they addressing this? No, you know what? I think the unions have actually helped us. And you, it's very, very, um, it's evident in Chicago because contractors adapted really fast. You know, we didn't pause our industry as a whole versus San Francisco, Boston, New York. They shut down construction. And that's just catastrophic if you're a contractor, not bill any projects for a couple months without laying off huge segments of the labor force. Um, so Chicago did it right. And the, the, what supported doing it right is you, that you have a very well-trained, uh, well-organized um, union body. And so um, the health, the, the safety, you know, the distancing, all the PPE requirements, stuff like that, that's been in place for um, occupied medical renovations for decades, right? And so it was more or less the rest of the industry adapting to some of that added logistics planning, added PPE, you know, paying attention to how many people you have in a space, being a little more precise with what you're doing. Um, so I think in that case, the unions helped, um, you know, and I, I also, I, I think that unions are good for construction as a whole because Techno technological advancements are hard to capture in a fragmented labor force. You really need training. Um, you need the best and the brightest. And the union jobs that pay a little more and allow people to raise a family are are able to provide for that. Okay. So you have a, a good uh, connection with the San Francisco market, you know, with your um, alliance or, you know, whatever you want to call it with Skyline. Uh, how are how, how how are they looking at things right now? Or or because um, we're you know we're talking to our our folks in San Francisco and there's some scary conversations going on with some of these tenants. I mean, you know, Twitter throws out the work from home. We're going to do 100. percent My personal opinion, I think you use the term knee jerk. That's exactly what I'm seeing, and I think uh, it'll play itself out. But there's no doubt there's going to be more of that. There's no doubt that the coastal cities between, I think, Manhattan and San Francisco, where the residential pricing has gone up so much and there's going to be a number of, uh, of layoffs have affected things. Are you seeing anything in San Francisco from a construction standpoint that's happening now that'll maybe make its way here um, in the coming months? Not quite yet, because the back between the backlog and the PPP, I think there are a few like outside factors buoying up the market. Um, you know, that market was on fire. The projects were midstream and a lot of that stuff is picking up where it left off. Once that stuff finishes, 
I think there's going to be some pain in that market in both those markets, um, you know, New York and San Francisco. I think Chicago, you know, while we don't have the same booms, we also don't have the same busts. I mean, it's always ultra competitive here. Our numbers have always been the tightest in the country. Um, you know, so we, we've been through this before. I, I think that, um, you know, San Francisco's somewhat of an anomaly. I mean, they, they shut down for two full months. And now that they're back online, there are mandated third-party inspections um, for COVID compliance, for the distancing, the PPP, and things like that. And California has always been one of those litigious states. I think that who pay who pays for that? The client. And the client pays yeah. for that. Okay. And so some of these, you asked about the increases. Chicago, I think, is going to be a a good litmus test for where the rest of the country needs to be because Chicago is relatively self-policing. We've always led, um, you know, as far as the technological advancements, productivity, quality, you know, the schedules that we can achieve here. I mean, it's not a coincidence that, that Chicago had three of the 10 tallest buildings in the world for decades. You know, the river flows backwards. We had the merchandise mart, which is, was the largest building in the world for a long time. It's a construction city, um, you know, to, to be in the top tier here, You've got to be a great operator. You know, if you're in one of these really hot coastal markets, you just got to be there and be capable. And I think be, I mean, <laughs> just show up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be in the right place at the right time. The, the growth yeah. stories that some of these companies have is yeah. incredible. And so yeah. because there's a lower barrier to entry, you know, you need some more outside policing. And then you look at how the state is from a, you know, legal perspective, there's just a lot more litigiousness um, in general. So I, I hope that doesn't come to Chicago. I don't see a need for it. I think um, I, I'm proud of the effort that I've seen companies here take to make sure that their people are safe, you know, that the infections aren't spreading through job sites. And there's been a couple instances of, you know, uh, exposures and people, coming down with COVID and the general contractors and the subcontractors have reacted appropriately. And I, I think I thought it was going to be a problem at first with, you know, when you have an infected tradesman and this guy's an hourly worker, you know, he doesn't get paid if he's not working. There's this long history of guys working when they're sick. And we were worried about that. And I, I haven't seen that be a problem. As tenants prepare for re-entry we've, talk to a number of them and uh, through our workplace strategy on things they can do to reconfigure the furniture, some of the office. We really haven't seen many want to put the capital into something that could be a short-term fix until this really vets it out. What are you seeing in terms of uh, reconfig and, and, and dealing with the COVID issues within an existing space? Yeah, I, I think the stuff like cubicle partitions and like sneeze guards all over the place is just a knee-jerk reaction. I think the the real valuable modifications that people can make are creating touchless devices, touchless openings, um, you know, being mindful of ventilation systems. I think the one thing that's going to change forever coming out of this is the amount of emphasis placed on indoor air quality. I mean, high rises, especially buildings built prior to probably 2000 don't have the greatest ventilation in them. You're not bringing in a lot of outside air. You're recirculating. Um, you know, there's not a, a very robust filtration. And I think 
Um, the technology's out there. It's been being used in healthcare for decades. That is going to be uh, a big focus. And that's probably one of the largest needle movers you're going to have. You know, some of the stuff that people were talking about doing with like temperature monitoring cameras and card readers, I think that'll be somewhat of a flash in the pan, especially with some of the asymptomatic transmission that we're seeing. Um, it's going to be a movement towards like health and wellness and some of these well building certifications lead things like that that i think are are really the winners that are here to stay coming out of this and then it becomes whose cost is that right and yeah is the building going to do that uh is it going to spread that cost as as part of their improvements which many times they do if it improves, you know, certainly the efficiencies of a building, they're going to spread that. And what that's going to do to the operating expenses on these, I know that uh, from a property management standpoint, that hasn't been determined, but uh, I doubt that the building owners will want to take that on entirely themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a 50-50 mix. I think the new buildings are going to get built with higher tech, more efficient systems that bring in more outside air and do a better job filtration. I mean, when you're working in an existing high rise, you're as a tenant, you're limited to what you can do. You're limited by the system. So I think it'll be a mix. I don't think it's going to be anything um, that's really, really heavy. It's just some minor modifications and it's paying a little more attention. And maybe instead of spending you know, 20 bucks a foot on the base building system coming out of the ground, these landlords are spending 22 or 23 to have more outside air economizers and better filtration. Okay. Well, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. And uh, it's, it's nice to hear uh, you guys are, you know, keep it, keep it up on all of the, uh, the wellness things that might be coming down. And I think there's, Certainly plenty of work to be had once people figure out what to do here, but um, stay well and um, we'll talk again soon. You too, Dougal. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye.